0: Welcome back, everyone, to the pre third preseason game edition of the Bills Beat. Here, thank you all for joining us, whether it be on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or on Stitcher. Sadly, still not Spotify, you jerks. Just kidding. Uh, well, thank you all for joining We're never us. Never going
1: to get on Spotify. do keep know. talking about them like
0: that. It's not as though they're listening. <laughs> I think that that's the point. The fact is that they're not listening, and they they won't put us on their. Uh, Little cash, their their network of sorts. They're they're pulling the old Tenny palapoy on us. I I couldn't resist going palapoy that early on in the podcast. But thank you all for joining us today, uh, and whichever day you are listening to us. Of course, this is probably, and I'm I'm not being hyperbolic. This is probably the most heavily anticipated preseason game I've ever been a part of on the beat, just because it features a first-round quarterback that the Bills didn't really back their way into drafting. IE, hey EJ, what's going on? Josh Allen, it's his debut as the first team quarterback. Fans will get to see him with the first team offense against the first team defense probably for a pretty substantial part of the game, and that's what has everyone talking and it has it's what has the majority of Bills fans excited and also, with the prospects that what could come along with a solid performance on Sunday. So, Josh Allen against the Bengals, 4 o'clock on Sunday at New Era Field. It's a home game. It should be a doozy, man.
1: Andy Dalton will be back in town. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean
0: Standing ovation for Andy between Dalton. Between
1: that, Josh Allen starting. Weather looks pretty good early on, uh, unless something's changed and four o'clock Sunday kickoff it might actually feel like the regular season at New Era Field I expect the crowd will be you know fairly into it and I think Josh Allen's gonna get a significant amount of time Sean McDermott hasn't said whether Nathan Peterman will also get first team reps but he did say that the first team offense will be out there for the first half and then some. So
0: so you would think that he would want Josh to come out of halftime if he's trying to simulate an actual game for him, a game week for him. That, that would be the implication here.
1: Right. And, you know, he's going to need a game week simulated for him whether he wins the job or not, because eventually he's going to have one of these game weeks. It will likely come at some point in 2018. We just don't know exactly when. I think he has a legitimate chance to win the job on Sunday. And... I don't know that their mind is totally made up on this quarterback decision, but I still think he has room to sway them. I don't think that this decision cements him as the starting quarterback by any means, but it it, it was the first step towards them really giving him a legitimate shot to win this job, which when we talked on this podcast a couple weeks ago, we had some serious doubts about whether they were even going to do that much.
0: Right and you know kudos to them for actually like opening themselves up to it and they can the, the cheeky thing about all this is no matter what they decide they can just go up there and say hey this was part of the plan even if it wasn't what if their plan was to actually go josh listen or if they wanted to say josh we're going we're going to you know, temper this a little bit because we only got have one shot at this thing with you and i wonder if this is what they actually wanted all along. But this is what is here. Because Josh Allen has played better in the preseason than A.J. McCarron. That's not a stretch. He's definitely been able to make throws that Nathan Peterman couldn't think about making, i.e. Ray-Ray McLeod in the Carolina game, i.e. Rod Streeter, uh, against the Cleveland Browns though Nathan Peterman has looked fairly strong in his preseason games as well which is what leads you to a little bit of pause here but kudos to the bills for actually thinking to themselves maybe it's the rookie and if he proves himself to be the best guy here and that in those i guess inadequacies in his mechanics his footwork everything along those lines that they've been just hammering away with him throughout the pre-draft process and in the spring and, heck, even in the summer and even now before practices, if that shows to be at a good enough level, then it seems like all the rest of the stuff is there. I mean, teammates, I don't think this is this is an, uh, this is being too over the top. I think teammates are infatuated with the idea of Josh Allen. You, you can just sense it when you talk with a bunch of different players. And it doesn't matter if they're receivers, if they're tight ends, if they're linemen, if they're safeties. I mean, everyone around the locker room is kind of going, this kid's got something special.
1: Yeah, and it goes all the way back to LaShawn McCoy talking about him in the spring. And you can go down the list of different players who have, you know, heaped praise on this kid and the way that he works, I think, is... You know, the, the first thing that stood out to people, obviously the arm and the talent is all there, but none of that would, you know, win people over without matching it with the work ethic. And I think that's the part where he's come in here. He's won people over. Remember when he was drafted, you know, one of the big questions was about his tweets and how he would fit into the locker room it's a non-issue I thought about that a couple times and it's like yeah these guys just
0: really don't care
1: about right. that and it you could say well of course they were never going to care about it it was just a you know construction of the media or whatever but in a different locker room and for a different guy it might have become an issue
0: yeah but but to that point I mean and I know you're not arguing for that but Lorenzo Alexander even, even said, like, you know, I just want to hear what he has to say. I remember that distinctly after that all happened, but thinking that he would give him the benefit of the the chance to explain himself, and he has, and he's ingratiated himself within the locker room, to
1: your point. Yeah, and I mean, if it were a different player, if it were a different coach, if it were different players in the locker room, that may have been a different scenario. So I think the fact that he's at this point is a win Mm -hmm. right now. I, I think where he stands in the locker room, how he looks on the field. All of it is trending in the right direction for him. And it's playing right into the Bills' hands if they really do want to start him because they've made him earn everything. Started with the threes, bumped up to the twos, now with the ones, he's going to get a chance to start a preseason game. It's a win-win on Sunday. If he goes out and doesn't look ready, they can say, look, he had his shot. He didn't quite look ready. We're going to keep him on the bench. If he kills it, you say he went out and he won the job. You have a defense either way. Like mm-hmm. you said, it can be part of the plan either way. Mm-hmm. And that's probably why they haven't named a starting quarterback yet, is this game, a lot is riding on what happens on Sunday. And I think I've said it before, and you know we've said it, it's not even a comp- Josh Allen isn't even competing with Nathan Peterman. Mm-mm. To some extent, it doesn't matter what Nathan Peterman does if Josh Allen looks ready. Josh Allen is competing against himself. And if Nathan Peterman has better numbers or looks marginally better, it doesn't matter if Josh Allen looks ready and the Bills think he's ready because this guy's the future, the sooner he becomes the present the better off the long-term you know, health of the franchise is. Yeah, you're
0: right. And the plan that, that we've long alluded to is very well could have these moving goalposts so Sean McDermott can conveniently say, hey, you know, he, he is the starter and this is what we were working towards and this is why we took that track. You know what just dawned on me? You brought up how they made Josh Allen earn it. Went with the threes forever while mixing in here and there with the ones. Got some time with the twos. Looked good there. Now he's with the first team offense. And it's almost as though, and I know every guy is different, it's almost as though it seems he's better equipped to deal with the reps with the first team and against the starters and everything along those lines. Whereas with Tremaine Edmonds, they didn't make him earn it at all they just kind of threw him in there and it's you know baptism by fire at this point and it hasn't gone really smoothly for him and it's less a point about Edmonds but more about Allen that maybe just maybe this plan that they had was actually the way to go
1: yeah because he built up that confidence playing with the third team and I think was able to iron out and I'm not saying they're totally ironed out, but some of his right. mechanical issues right. he was able to iron out while not worrying about the fact that he was up against the first or second team defense. And that's definitely a, a plus for him, the fact that he started to look comfortable with every step, and it isn't until he's ready that they give him the next step. That's why Sunday is going to be really interesting, because we don't know how ready he's going to look. We've seen him very, very limited. Mm-hmm. Against the Bills' first team defense in practice. Mm-hmm. We saw a tiny bit of him against the Browns' half first team defense. <laughs> now we get to see him start a game at home against, in, the, in an important, some, as important as a preseason game gets, you know, the Bengals won't be necessarily resting players. They won't be game planning necessarily either, but you're getting. As close a look as you can get before the regular season at what Josh Allen looks like against a starting defense. And I'm
0: fairly certain because it's at home, that first throw, he's going to have so much energy and excitement that it's his first start. He's going to put that thing in Hammer's lot. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I mean, we saw him airmail, the one in Cleveland, too. He is
1: going to throw the ball 100 miles an hour. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, that, I mean,
0: On that first throw, definitely.
1: I almost expect... Like everyone it, it'll be like, you know, the ninth inning of a baseball game when everybody's on their feet waiting for this guy to make every throw. I mean mm-hmm. the way it was in the stadium for the first preseason game when he was against third stringers. I know. I think that lets you know that man, with everything going on, with it being a Sunday afternoon, I mean, let's face it, Bills fans need a tune up, right? They're getting they're getting and, it and they're gonna get one. I mean Sunday at 4 o'clock, that's a lot of tailgating time uh, if you're into that sort of thing for a preseason game. And I think people are going to be really jazzed up, which creates a really good environment for Josh Allen to simulate that type of pressure. There's almost, I bet if you asked a guy like EJ Manuel, you know, did you feel more pressure playing at home or on the road? I bet he would say he felt more pressure playing at home. Right? You know some of these guys that honest about it. when you're under the microscope of a fan base and and things like that playing at home sometimes can bring a little bit more pressure than playing on the road obviously for other guys the Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers of the world sure you know you like being home but in a way I feel like a young quarterback at home there's an an added sense of emotion that comes with it that that you need to learn how to handle yeah, and for Allen, I mean this is
0: a great tune-up and I honestly don't know if he can in the eyes of Bills fans I'm not sure he can do anything wrong in in this preseason game. I mean if, if he comes out there and doesn't complete a pass or you know throws like four picks or something like that, people are going to be like, "Oh no, did they do it again?" But fans here have been so thirsty for a real quarterback forever basically that anytime that there's a thought that, "Hey, that could be the guy, and I want to say, in the past decade, this has been the most apparent time where fans are thinking to themselves, "Holy crap, we might actually have something here," and it's it's kind of like a nervous excitement, but an excitement none, nonetheless. I also have found it quite interesting that, and we discuss the uh, the wormhole that is the Josh Allen Twitter vortex. But I, what I noticed after the Cleveland game or maybe even during the Cleveland game is a lot of people that were extremely critical of Josh Allen leading up to the draft and even during the spring and everything along those lines. There's a lot of couching going on saying, hey, maybe I probably should have taken a better look or, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, He's showing signs of life. Maybe maybe I was wrong or just kind of like to almost lessen the blow because I think there's a a sneaky suspicion from a lot of people out there that this guy might actually be good. And you have to be careful because in the preseason, in training camp, it's so easy to fall prey to these guys that look good against second and third teamers and even against first teamers because they're not scheming against that individual player and in this case a quarterback but I I've I don't know about you but I've been seeing that quite a bit on the Twitterverse and I I find it quite quite something to read into as as this whole Josh Allen thing has kind of evolved from square one to where we are right now
1: yeah and I don't mean to play the heel here but you are right that it is the preseason. It it's training camp and while he's shown a ton, you know, some of these people that are that were steadfast in their opinions about this guy that are getting a little nervous about it. Yep. You know, it could week 2 could come around, week 3, I mean, and he starts to look like the guy they said he was, they're going to jump right back into that camp and That's still within the range of outcomes for this guy. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's played no time, really, against a starting defense. And so we still don't really know a whole lot about what he's going to be. I just think he's looked more competent than a lot of people expected. Yeah. And, you know, when you hear the talk about him before the draft about how, you know, football outsiders took it to the extreme, calling him a, a parody of an NFL quarterback prospect. I mean, when you hear things like that, and then he looks the way he does, right. it's striking that how much different he looks than the way he's portrayed. But he still has a ways to go before he's anointed a franchise quarterback. I mean, all these guys have had their moments. This quarterback class as a whole has shown some promising moments, but it wasn't long ago that EJ Manuel had his moments in the preseason. Blaine Gabbert had some moments in the preseason. (laughs) Are you trying to work in Blaine Gabbert to every pod? Blaine Gabbert, I was at Blaine Gabbert's first preseason game in Gillette. How did that feel? And he looked terrible, actually. (laughs) But there was that second year when everybody was like, oh, Blaine he ripped apart the Saints in a preseason game, and it was like, this is it. He's putting it together. And in some respects, there are parallels to be drawn as prospects. Really smart, big arm, big guy that can move. But that just goes to show you that the preseason can be fool's gold at times. That said, Sunday's going to be fun. Oh, yeah. And if he looks really good, I think that, you know, I just think in the preseason it's easy to – say what you want depending on what you see yeah the run defense sucks it's just the preseason mm-hmm. it's just the preseason they're not game planning well oh, josh allen looks great he's going to be a stud so you can take the right. preseason however you want to and spin it to whatever you want really nothing's going to matter until the lights come on but yeah sunday will will be a good time
0: yeah and if he plays well giddy up because this this uh season could be quite intriguing right from the word go I think for him when you try and break down his performances you have to really view them in a capsule for each of them just because you have to think to yourself okay what was he doing in practice leading up to this what is the situation around him uh, like for the Panthers game it was obviously his his first time out there in an NFL game they didn't they didn't load his plate too much. They were thankful to get him a two-minute drill um, at the end of the game, which definitely helped improve his confidence. But I think it was the improvement from week one to week two, which is what has so many people, I guess, excited and a fan, from a fan perspective and from an analyst perspective, people going, uh oh, crap, did I get that one wrong? Already. Which you have to be careful because you can't, kind of go back on what you said just based on preseason and I know our buddy of the podcast uh, Buffalo Wins is staunchly against this like how are you changing your opinion after two preseason games against defenses that are largely made up of players that won't be on an NFL roster and that is absolutely right but what you can take away from preseason are signs are things that maybe. He's showing the ability to do that he didn't do in college, whether it be keeping his feet underneath him when he's when he's throwing the ball and, and not getting too ahead of himself. He still gets ahead of himself sometimes, and that that much he has to kind of fix up. Also, we're sitting here talking about the mechanics. I mean, he could look fine with the mechanics in week one, maybe even the first month of the season. What happens in week 11 when he but hasn't he been drilling it yeah and he's sore and he's and sore and 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 what it, i mean he's been hit a bunch is he opening up his left hip again and, and throwing it out to the left sideline and and getting picked off as a result of it? it they in when you're in the season there's not enough reps in the day for you to continue to hammer all of the different facets of being a quarterback from a mechanic standpoint so it, is that going to come back to what he was at times in college. These are all things you have to weigh as a head coach, as a GM in the decision to ultimately put him out there. But it's also hard not to be impressed by him. And if you look at the competition, it's really hard not to be impressed because these other guys aren't really doing much. I do want to get into AJ McCarron though, because we're sitting here talking about Josh Allen and sometimes Nathan Peterman, but No one's really talking about A.J. McCarron anymore. And my main question is, is this thing a wrap for McCarron? Is is he not even in contention anymore? It doesn't seem like he's going to play on Sunday. I mean, he has very little practice activity over the past couple of days when he was actually out there. If he does play, then he'll probably end up getting in near the end of the game, you would assume. But with how he looked in the Cleveland game and maybe with how much Sean McDermott perhaps prefers both Josh Allen and Nathan Peterman. Does he even have a chance anymore?
1: I don't think he does. Yeah. Me neither. His collarbone is not broken, which is a plus, yeah. but he's still not throwing the ball a whole lot. And unless you can't win the job, if you're not healthy and, and, he hasn't been so good that you would say once he's healthy, he goes back in. Again, this is either Josh Allen or it's one of the other guys. Mm -hmm. And with all the reps Nathan Peterman is getting while McCarron can't throw and with the way Peterman's played in the first two preseason games, he's earned the right to be the guy if Josh Allen can't get himself up to speed for right. week one. Right. Personally, I think Josh Allen has looked ready enough. To we'll warrant get, being the starter to, in Baltimore. But, you know, we'll see what happens on Sunday and if he can build on that. But every week, he's been building on what he's done the week before. Mm-hmm. If he continues to do that, then I think you can roll with him week one. But Peterman's not out of this thing. It just feels like McCarron is because even though the collarbone is not broken, it's a matter of when can he get back to being, you know, full speed at practice and getting quality reps. He's not going to, he won't play Sunday. If he does, it won't be much. And so with that in mind, you say, well, the fourth preseason game isn't swaying anybody. Mm -hmm. And then after that, your only chance to win the job is if, Another guy gets hurt, and you're able to come in and show that you can do something. He's in the same spot he was, essentially, in Cincinnati. And, you know, it's not quite the same because they don't have an entrenched starter. But the second Josh Allen goes in, McCarron's in the exact same spot that he was in because they're not pulling the plug on him. And I think, you know, for McCarron's sake, you're sitting there saying it's not like This is Alex Smith in Kansas City. Right. Where if he had hurt his shoulder and could get himself ready for week one... There would have been benefit of the doubt there. Then Alex Smith still probably gets the job over Patrick Mahomes. This is different. Mm -hmm. McCarron wasn't good enough to warrant that. He hasn't been here long enough to have such a command of the room or a command of a brand new offense or the trust of the coaching staff. So, to me... I mean, sure, he's not out of it. He's out there. He's doing what he can. He's back on the field after that injury. But I think for all intents and purposes, he, he really is out of this competition.
0: His best chance to win the job is now behind him, and that's the biggest distinction. And what he did with that opportunity is what is likely to be only opportunity with the first-team offense. Granted, the offensive line didn't do him any favors, but
1: still, there's... There were plays to be I think made. It's out, there. out of his control now. Yeah, it was in his control before, somewhat. Now it's out of his control because he needs one of the other two to either monumentally screw up or get injured.
0: And and it doesn't appear that either one of those guys are going to monumentally screw up at this point. Then and, and at that, and that point, the best thing he can hope for is an injury, which leads me to my next point. Let's say the two guys don't monumentally screw up. Let's say they're both healthy as could be for that. Uh, for the opener in Baltimore. The big question is this. What is the point of keeping A.J. McCarron as a member of the Buffalo Bills at, at that point? Because if Nathan Peterman has shown as well as he has in the first two preseason games, and he continues with you know an in, in average to an above average uh, level in this upcoming game, and Josh Allen continues on his current trend. You can't sit there with the first game of the season, even if you name Nathan Peterman the starting quarterback. You can't sit there and make Josh Allen inactive. That's not going to happen. What are you going to carry essentially dead weight, which is AJ McCarron? I mean, that roster spot can be used at another place at a of a precious resource that I mean that. They, they could use a defensive tackle. They could use another corner. They could use another offensive lineman. They could probably use another defensive end because of Trent Murphy. And I don't know that they necessarily have the flexibility to do that, especially if they keep three quarterbacks. So my main wonder is, is McCarron worth it at that point? Is McCarron worth having him around not be one of the top two quarterbacks and keeping him, and keeping him there, just to say he's there in the event of, I guess, catastrophe of one
1: of those other two guys going down. I would argue, just move on. I mean, we talked about this way back in yeah. the spring that humble brag. If Josh <laughs> Allen and Nathan Peterman, you know, prove to be capable of being your one-two, you don't need AJ McCarron as your three. Nope. The one factor here is money. But even then it's kind of a sunk cost. Yeah. It's pretty much a wash. There's from, not from a ton of savings. Me, and I'm you looking take up right a now. small hit. I want to say in the 3 million range. Well, it's also a
0: it would be a post June 1 as well. So that would mean it would push that signing bonus into next year. So they would, they, it would be essentially even this year, and it would just up their dead cap next year to four million with him. So that would that would essentially be what
1: it is. And that's what you're maybe trying to avoid, but I don't think it's so significant. And I think the element here that will be important is how do you feel about him being in the room? Mm-hmm. I haven't gotten the vibe from A.J. McCarron that he's particularly pleased with how the summer has gone. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Not, Maybe not even just his own play, partially the whole situation in general. He's, you know, I I just don't know that this is a guy that has sat behind Andy Dalton for four years hoping for an opportunity. Is he really going to play the good soldier and sit behind not one, but two young quarterbacks, and help them along and be we're not talking about Matt Castle here, who was, by all accounts, an amazing guy to have in your quarterback room. You know, you're not talking about one of those guys that a Josh McCown, for instance, another guy who people talk about as just an incredible guy to have mentoring your young quarterback. Is AJ McCarron that?
0: Probably I don't not. I don't think
1: he is. Yeah. And that's where you say, all right, maybe we don't need this guy. Maybe there's mm-hmm. room for an extra receiver or an extra running back or another linebacker or really any number of positions where there there's always one or two guys on the bubble that you wish you could keep or find room for on the 53. There's a reason there's quite a few teams that don't keep three quarterbacks.
0: And it's not as though the Bills are against only keeping two. I mean,
1: they did it. They kept Nathan Peterman as their primary backup, and he was a fifth-round pick. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have a hard time convincing me that they won't feel comfortable with either the same guy Mm -hmm. a year older or a guy that got picked seventh overall. In that backup role. And it's clear as day
0: who Sean McDermott prefers. It, I mean, Josh Allen notwithstanding, but between Nathan Peterman and A.J. McCarron, I mean, McDermott goes out of his way to compliment
1: Peterman's Nathan guy. Peterman.
0: He is. And he's always stuck up for him, even through everything that happened in Los Angeles last year. He's always stuck up for him. I, I remember the day that us beat guy sat down with McDermott and Brandon Bean— I asked Sean McDermott, do you feel Nathan Peterman gets enough credit for what he did in that Indianapolis game, the snow game, before he got injured because it came after the LA Chargers game and very quickly looked square in the eyes, said, no, I don't think he does. And that that's telling when it's not even as... It almost seems like there's emotion attached to it. And McDermott usually removes himself from that for the most part. But for some reason it's almost like he feels responsible for Nathan Peterman and putting him in that situation against one of the better defenses. And because it was such a stark decision that s- still to this day, McDermott gets clowned about from a national perspective. It, it almost feels like maybe, not, maybe it's not a protective sort of way of thinking, but he's got Peterman's best interests in mind because it it is also kind of tied to his best interests too to prove that hey he wasn't wrong about this guy and that's a that's a dangerous thing I think a little bit but in in but this Brandon case it, it's Bean warranted is, is with right McCary. there with him true um, so he has to balance it with him
1: when I talked to Brandon Bean before that McDermott quote that you're talking about. It was like ten minutes before that, when I was talking to Brandon Bean, he brought that up unprompted about Peterman not getting enough credit for that game. That wasn't even me saying, Does he get enough credit? It was Brandon Bean outwardly saying, I don't think he gets enough credit for for that snow game. So and saying that, you know, a few things out of his control caused, you know, that, you know, out of control game uh in, in Los Angeles. So they're somewhat invested in him as a long-term backup and as a guy that can, you know, they like him as a locker room guy. They like a lot about him. But McCarron always felt like a an, an insurance policy mm-hmm. because when they signed him, they didn't know what was going to happen in the draft. Plus, they it almost
0: felt like they were content to just not sign anyone. And they McCarron were. kind
1: of fell in their lap. And they are like, well, this guy's really cheap. And he'll come here because he thinks he has a shot to win the starting job, and we'll give him that shot. I could see Bean going, you know what, screw it. Let's yeah, do it. Why if, not? If he wins the job, cool. If he doesn't, you know, no harm done because we haven't invested a ton of money in him right. to begin with. So there's not a lot tied to A.J. McCarran, other than the dollars. And so I think, you know, for the most part, that's why it feels like He's kind of out of this thing, and until he gets healthy, I don't see how he can get back into it either. What happens with AJ McCarron is
0: almost well, no, it's not almost as good. It, what happens with Josh Allen is going to be yeah, a big it's draw.
1: Actually, not even
0: close. Yeah, it's not. It's not close. But if People they will, if they end up cutting AJ, AJ McCarron,
1: will be but a footnote. True, because if they announce Josh Allen as starter on. Wednesday. That means or A.J.'s getting a ton of reps against you know, the Bears. <laughs> well, yeah. I get, So if they announce Josh Allen as starter, that might come sometime next week maybe mm-hmm. uh, where they end this competition and then they cut A.J. McCarron on Friday. I think people will already be out in the Hammers lot. They won't even realize oh, yeah. that A.J. McCarron has been cut. And They'll be tailgating for week two, right, three weeks ahead saying. of time. So I don't think A.J. McCarron is going to – be too much of a blip on the radar, but... But it's still a story, because he was so... Nationally, it was assumed that he was going to win this job. Right, and nationally... It was
0: assumed that he was going to get a big free agent deal. Bingo. too. And for them to essentially give up on him in the favor of a second-year guy who was a fifth-round pick and a rookie quarterback, that's that's a story. That's a story right there. All right, before we uh, move into some other things we're looking towards for that Sunday night, eh, Sunday late afternoon into evening game against the Cincinnati Bengals. Let's get into what we're working on. So Matthew Fairburn, what's new with you over the at The Athletic?
1: Yeah, over on the Athletic.com, I put up a story this morning on Harrison Phillips, who is going to get a chance to start on, on Sunday. Uh, I think, obviously overshadowed by the fact that Josh Allen is starting, but This is what I like about The Athletic is that I can write about stuff that's somewhat, you know, getting into the weeds a little bit. Stuff that you and I talk about on the podcast and, um, you know, that we talk about on the sidelines of training camp is, you know, can Harrison Phillips play three technique? It's Mm -hmm. like for the common fan, you know, it's not going to be viral content or whatever, but I think it's an interesting aspect of how they construct this roster Mm -hmm. because... When they started training camp, they said this guy's a one-tech. Most of the pre-draft process, people said this guy's a one-tech or a zero-tech, depending on your scheme. He's a nose tackle. And he was really productive in that role at Stanford. But now the Bills, with Kyle Williams getting injured, they're giving him a chance to play that three-technique spot. And we've talked about the you know, annoying parts of the, the Kyle Williams-Harrison Phillips comparison. Right. And... So that's why I think a lot of people don't even realize the transition that he's making and Mm -hmm. how tough it is. And so I talked to defensive line coach Bill Tierlink, uh, Leslie Frazier, Harrison, Lorenzo Alexander, who oddly enough has played both (laughs) one-tech and three-tech. He started his career as the DT, yeah. um, Which is really funny to me. Um, So I talked to him a little bit about it and uh, did that. I've also got Tim Graham... Dropped a couple hammers this week, as he tends we're, to do. We're using the word hammer um, a lot. <laughs> he uh, <laughs> he had, I think, the definitive uh, piece on the Andy Dalton Tyler Boyd touchdown as Andy Dalton comes to town this week. Um, talked to a, went down to Cincinnati, talked to a ton of people about not just the play, but the where all that money went that that Bills fans donated. And then while he was down there, he swung through Louisville, talked to Eric Wood and. And got some answers, I think, for a lot of questions that many of us had on that weird day in mm. January when Eric Wood gave that press conference. So if you want to check any of that out, you can still get 40% off a year's subscription by going to theathletic.com slash Bills Beat. By the way, we also this week almost filled out the entire roster of NFL beat writers, almost at all 32 teams, and hired this guy Jay Glazer, who's... Above average at what he does. And yeah. Dane Brugler, who maybe for you and me is the bigger draw there. Yeah, um, good NFL draft Probably guy. the best NFL draft analyst. If you're sick of the Mel Kuypers and Todd McShays of the world, I promise Dane Brugler will be worth your while. So, yeah, go to TheAthletic.com slash BillsBeat. Get 40% off. And over at
0: WKBW.com, I haven't actually posted it yet, but I'm in the process of working on it, which means it will be posted later today. Um, it's... I think you, uh, you kind of did this. I think it was after the Panthers game or something along along the lines. You you've referred to the excitement, and it it, it got me to thinking. Like, let's expound on that. And so I went up to a bunch of different players in, in the locker room and asked them a series of questions, but but mainly like, what is it about Josh? Like, what 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 is getting you to this to this point where you're just Feeling it, and you could tell there's an air of excitement with all these guys. So there's a lot of different voices from all across the roster, depending on position. I talked with Logan Thomas, who offers a, a pretty unique perspective as a failed quarterback, and and he uh, had some rather, I guess, good things to say uh, about Josh Allen and some wisdom that he's given to him as he's kind of gone along here. So. Yeah, that's going to be at wkbw.com if it's not there when uh, when by the time you listen to this, which it probably should be. Yeah, I'll probably post post that before I post this podcast. So it'll be there at wkbw.com and of course you can see the uh the observations that I do after each game after the Bengals game concludes on Sunday. All right, back into it. About this Bengals game. What uh outside of the quarterbacks, it's obviously going to be the big draw really quickly what about this game is the biggest non-quarterback draw to
1: you well i mentioned harrison phillips yeah and i'm interested to see how he handles that role for a couple of reasons not because he'll necessarily need to handle that starting job throughout the season because it looks like Kyle Williams will be okay, but more so from the standpoint of what it offers the Bills flexibility-wise in their rotation, it looked like they would have Latulue and Phillips rotate at one tech, mm-hmm. and that would be a nice, you know, situation for them. Mm-hmm. If they can have Phillips rotate at both one tech and three tech, I think that's huge yeah. because. I think there's a pretty big drop off after those top 3 yep. in terms of what you're getting in Adolphus Washington. And so he has to show that he can handle it. He has to show that he can provide some pass rush and be that type of player. The other option they do have is on pass rushing downs putting Shaq Lawson in that yes. that role. And I yep. like that idea as well. But I think it's a it's an important question to answer. Because I think next offseason, that position could be a priority for them, depending on if Phillips can what do it at three times. The answer to that question is right. so. Uh, I think that's really interesting to me. It may be the the single most interesting question because I'm starting to feel like a lot of the jobs are starting to be secured. You know, Mm -hmm. it feels like the top three running backs are locked in place Mm -hmm. after the way Marcus Murphy played last week. It feels like there's maybe a lingering question or two at wide receiver, but we've, Mm -hmm. you know, talked a lot about those top five guys and how they're probably locked in. So it's a matter of, you know, how does Josh Allen look? The offensive line is probably the other big question because Deion Dawkins may or may not play. He's been banged up this week. Can these guys come together? Will Ryan Groy establish himself as the starting center and how do they look as, you know, these guys, you know, as a unit as they're up against Geno Atkins and some talented players on the Bengals front? But a lot of a lot of intrigue, a lot of little storylines, but really it's it's about the big one. Yeah. It's about 17.
0: You're you brought up the defensive tackles and that's a good place to divert your attention to once the Bills offense isn't on the field. Because he'll probably be on the 53-man roster, but I can't sit here and tell you Adolphus Washington is a lock to make this team. I think he could very sneakily be one of those guys, pending on the health of Kyle Williams. that's, That's the big part of this. But he could be one of those guys to where... If the right guy is on the waiver wire, they put in a claim. I would not be surprised to see Adolphus Washington sent packing. I mean, what has he done to stand out in a game for them over the last... eh, Well, last year, because that's the only thing Sean McDermott can base it on. But really, over the last two years, what has he done? He's made a few flash plays and just basically been pushed around for most of the other time. And that's a concern when you have a guy that isn't really physical enough to play the one tech. He's not really explosive enough and doesn't get into the backfield enough to play the three tech. So what do you have in him? And my answer to that is probably a guy that likely won't be a bill by the end of the 2019 season. (laughs) And that... For him, it could come earlier than that, so he has to step his game up.
1: He feels like he was meant to be more of a two-gapping guy in a 3-4 defense. Yeah. And I think ever since Sean McDermott got here, it's just been an unnatural fit for him. And maybe that means they move on. It certainly won't be Tenny Palapoy taking his spot because— I've got a question about Tenny coming up, but move, I don't but go know on. what happened there, but yeah, I mean— And that goes into, if Harrison Phillips can play that role, maybe they can move on. If Kyle Williams is healthy, maybe they can move on. Or, to your point, if somebody pops up on the wire, they might be able to move on. And I don't think they'll miss much Mm -hmm. if they do. So, I think he's still playing for something.
0: I don't think there's anyone on the roster currently that is going to push Adolphus Washington for that spot. I mean... You could make a case for Ricky Hatley, but he's more of a one-tech guy, and they're really lacking in depth at three-tech. And that's that's an important thing here, especially because, you know, Kyle Williams is currently injured, and his status is up in the air for the start of the regular season, at least. So I don't think it's going to be an internal push from anybody, but I'll tell you what, if the right guy pops open on the waiver wire, I don't think the Bills would think twice about cutting Adolphus Washington. They 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 owe nothing to him. He has no trade value. At least I don't think he has trade value. If if it is, it's for a Corey Coleman type package. And speaking of Corey Coleman, that's the guy that I'm going to be watching outside of number 17. And, you know, at some parts, number two. Corey Coleman is such an en- enigmatic case because it seems like he the way that they were using him in practice today, he's going to get a lot of run on Sunday. And I think this is going to be the time for him to prove to them that he is worth keeping around. And we talked talked about the top five of, of the wide receivers. And to a certain degree, I think Corey Coleman probably makes it, but he hasn't shown anything. And that's a concern Former first-round guy, I mean, could they question his motivation? Maybe. They owe him nothing. He's not their first-round pick. They got him for a seventh round in 2020, which is the equivalent of, of an undrafted free agent if you're going by trade value this year. I just don't know that they are going to hold a spot for him if he doesn't show he has earned it. So if Corey Coleman steps up and makes some plays and makes himself available and and brings in some catches from Josh Allen, which I think he's going to be out there getting some first team time. But if he doesn't, if he fades and it's just just a guy, just kind of a background like the the exterior padding around the around the field, then why are you keeping him on the 53-man roster? Keep Brandon Riley and Ray-Ray McLeod, for that matter, because both can provide something for him. At least they're making plays in the preseason. You owe Corey Coleman nothing. So what 19 does is something I'll be keeping an eye on as well.
1: And I, I definitely don't think he's a lock. Right. I think he needs to... We've talked about what he does on the field, but I think he needs to prove that he fits in off the field. And this is the game where you prove that. You say... I know the playbook. I'm going to be able to do the right things and perform the way I should be performing at this point because he's now been here a couple of weeks. Yeah. and He should be getting it. And he was
0: making mental errors in practice today. There, were, there was at least one time where Brian Dable said to him, Corey, this is how you run this route. And he didn't. He didn't extend it enough. And that, that, that's a concern are, at this
1: point. Those are the things that could get him cut. Those are the things that will make them hesitant to invest more time in him. And if he can prove that he'll, he'll turn it on when the lights are on in a game, then they can overlook some of that stuff. But to this point, he's been mostly invisible. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you're right. He's a big, big guy to watch on Sunday and it'll all, you know, kind of melt together with watching Allen and the offensive line and just how the offense operates as a whole in a game where, they're sort of kind of game planning yeah. and where the Bengals are probably sort of kind of game planning and there's going to be a much bigger sample size than just a couple of drives. And so that play to play consistency from Corey Coleman and the rest of the offense will be worth monitoring and maybe give you a peek into what they're going to look like in the regular season. Yeah.
0: Coleman and Zay Jones too. I
1: want to see how yeah, he performs Zay this Jones game. finally looking like he's, I mean, him getting up to speed was never a concern. It was more getting his legs back underneath him. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, we need to see that not only he gets it, but that he's going to be able to make plays. Because last year, I don't think the playbook was an issue for him. He just wasn't making the plays when he had the chance to. And now he's going to get... You know, that opportunity, they haven't been shy about throwing him right back into the mix nope. with the first team. And
0: you can tell, by the way, their actions, what you just referred to, the way they talk, there is a vested interest in the success of Zay Jones in 2018. So he's going to get every opportunity to make those plays, even if he doesn't show up in this Cincinnati game. I, I would be uh, willing to say that it is a strong bet that he'll be in the starting lineup come Baltimore in week one, as long as he's healthy. Alright, here's the thing I've been waiting to ask for 50 minutes. Through all the Josh Allen stuff, through all the A.J. McCarron stuff, and the defense, offense, the third preseason game. who I say. The most important question I will ask you today.
1: Tenny Palapoy or Dree Archer? Who you got? Tenny Palapoy was actually here. That's the thing about it. True.
0: Which might make it more odd as to why he just It makes you
1: mildly concerned about what went on with him. He had some sort of illness in the spring Mm -hmm. that he was listed with. Then he was here. I saw him in the building, in the locker room, talking to guys, and then he was not at practice. Right. Very strange case. Much more of a mystery than Dree Archer to me. Dree Archer was more, screw this, I'm not showing up. (laughs) I don't know that there is much more to it than that. And I will never be heard from again. Yeah, and I don't know that I necessarily... I mean, somewhat fascinating, but Tenny Palapoy is more of a, why wasn't he at practice? Why did you sign him and clear him if he wasn't going to be at practice? Right. Very weird. Could have provided some depth. Maybe. I- but yeah, we'll never know because we never really got to see him practice. Yeah, the...
0: Part of the Dree Archer thing that made it a bit comical, was because they kept him on, on, like listed on the roster. They held him hostage every essentially for
1: ever, just because to, they just weren't going to gonna let him go. Them. Yeah. Right, and eventually they did. Yeah. But yeah, and Rex was all kinds of in a tizzy about that. Oh he yeah. was excited about Dree Archer, and then Dree Archer just never showed up. Gave him the old double gun salute. Oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah, which was pretty amusing.
0: So, should we well, if if there's something wrong with Tenny Palapoy, I don't want to make light of it. But since there was clearly nothing wrong with Dree Archer and he just said to hell with this. I wonder if we should have a second award for for post-game festivities. The Dree Archer, Archer award. The Dree Archer award. The Palapoy. The the player the Palapoy, if you will. If if he's okay. Tentatively tentatively the Palapoy. But for now, the Dree Archer. For the player that just didn't show up in the game. I'll allow it. Everybody cool with that? <laughs> We've got, come on Darlene. And now, Dree Archer. And I don't... I, sometimes there could be crossover between the two. But,
1: I don't know. We'll just have to get creative. Yeah, not all the time. Because the... The come on, Darlene is more of a come on, man. Yeah. Or, you know, the, you know, what are you thinking? Right. And I was talking to uh, our
0: buddy uh, over in Rochester, Prescott Rossi, today. And he's just like, you know what I love when, when you guys do come on, Darlene? Because he's a listener. Thank you, Prescott, for listening, being, uh, being a, a fan of the pod. A lot of drives from
1: Rochester. A lot of
0: drives. Got a lot of time to listen. In between that and his Liverpool th- podcast, which I found he, he listens to quite frequently. Um. He said, I love when you guys go the way inside baseball route. And not even like the cursory stuff like Waro that we gave it to. He's like, I love it when you just hit us with a completely out of left field. Come on, Darlene. So
1: I I think there's something Always to on that. the lookout for a strange come on, darling. Oh, yeah. We should keep track of all of them <laughs> so that we can have a year end. <laughs> the come on, Darlene's? Uh, uh, a year, you know, the the top of the top. Wow. Wow, I I love this idea. Because the one that stands out to me I, which I believe received the come on Darlene was the people that were making out on the kiss cam at Gillette Stadium yes. the one game. Which was pretty great, but also a little bit of a come on Darlene. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we need to keep track and okay, and have a year-end award for the the top of the top. Come I, on, Darlene.
0: I mean, don't don't threaten me with a good time of, of making a spreadsheet because,
1: you know, that's how I get down. Yeah, we got to keep track. We'll maybe open it up to the listeners, a bracket Ooh. of the top come on, Darlene's.
0: <laughs> I love it. Only the regular season, though. So there will be a bracket of – Unless thir-
1: there's just a really worthy candidate true the preseason.
0: There yeah. will be a bracket of 32 come on, Darlene's because we both do one apiece each game. I like where the, I had no idea this was going to happen. Beauty of the pod right there. So, Prescott, this one's for you buddy. Hope you enjoyed listening. And I hope the rest of you enjoyed listening as well because I think we're going to call it. I think I think it's time. We talked about Josh, we talked about AJ getting cut and yeah. Bengals game on the way. So, that is the next time we will talk to you after the Bengals game when the Bills will perhaps have the information they need to make a decision on which player will be their starting quarterback. Will they actually announce it at any point before the Bears preseason game? To be determined. So, for Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic, my name is Joe Biscaglia. Thank you all for listening to us yet again here on the Bills Beat, and we will talk to you on Sunday evening. Take care.